Hello, and a very warm welcome to a first for the PGC podcast. In fact, a number of firsts. We're not only out on the road, we're actually sitting in a coffee shop here feeling somewhat awkward. Yes. Trying to look natural. Yes. Surrounded by cables and microphones and, thankfully, coffee. The reason we're here is that we've just attended a conference. We have. It was a policy forum for Wales conference, all about where we're at with the new reforms in education. Um, We had some really interesting input about qualifications. I'm sure we're going to have to do a separate episode all about that. However, the keynote speaker was Professor Graham Donaldson himself and our lovely Tom of our wonderful podcast managed to bag him without any chloroform (laughs) uh, and we interviewed him. Yep, we have interviewed Professor Graham Donaldson, author of the 2015 Successful Futures Report that kicked off the education reforms in Wales, which is not what we expected to be doing when we started this humble podcast. Not at all, but I've got to say the experience was entirely wonderful. Um, maybe that's a, <laughs> a little bit OTT, but I am a drama specialist. What a gracious, generous, lovely man. Yeah, so we're going to give over most of this episode to an in-depth interview with the man himself, Professor Donaldson. Uh, A slight health warning, we normally have very high standards for our sound quality here on the podcast, but we literally grabbed him in a conference room, a hall, that was being disassembled around us as we interviewed him. Teacups were being bashed slightly vindictively by a lady at the back, I think, who wanted us out. Uh, Tape was being (laughs) removed from carpets. At one point, part of our table was taken away from us. It's like one of those platform games that you used to play back in the 90s where the floor is gradually, piece by piece, falling down around you. You're left on one platform just just manically trying to continue your interview. Yeah, we were getting the hint by the end, but we did get half an hour of Professor Donaldson's time. So without further ado, we are going to go to the interview that we recorded. Okay, welcome everybody. I am very, very privileged to introduce you to our guest today, Professor Graham Donaldson. Welcome to our humble PGC podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to ask you some questions. We've just been, we've just attended the Policy Forum for Wales event, which is focused on implementing the new curriculum in Wales, measuring pupil progress and reforming 14 to 16 qualifications. And we had your keynote speech. But before we get into the detail of, of what you said today, we, we just want to go back in time a little bit. And we want to ask quite a basic question. So when you were asked to research and produce your report, Successful Futures, what was your reaction to being given this opportunity? How did you go about tackling such a huge task? Because obviously this is such a seminal document now in, in, our, in our, our future and a catalyst for our future. And what did you learn from it personally? So what was your reaction? How did you go about it? And what did you learn from it? Yeah, looking back in, in time, back to now 2013, 2014, which is when I had an initial conversation with officials in Welsh Government and then with the Minister at that time, Hugh Lewis. And the discussion we had was around concerns that, that were building up uh, in Wales about uh, the pressures on the national curriculum. There were, I think, half a dozen task and finish um, groups that had put in reports. I think virtually all of those groups said the thing they were reported on ought to be in the core of the national curriculum. And I think 
there was a recognition at that time that, that you couldn't simply try and squeeze more and more into the existing national curriculum. So the discussion we had back then with, with officials and with ministers was round whether a review of, of national curriculum and assessment arrangements could help to uh, throw some light on how we would we'd square that circle of you've got an existing national curriculum and you've got to build up a pressure. One of the things I was clear about in my initial discussions with colleagues and with the Minister was just looking at it at first sight, if I was going to do it, I had to have a fairly open remit that I didn't think that I was the person who'd be best placed to give some kind of technical fix to try and manipulate the existing framework in a way that somehow or other managed to reconcile the pressures that were there. So we agreed a very open-ended remit for the re review, so it would be as radical as it needed to be, it was, was, was where we ended up. The challenge then was, um, how on earth do I discharge this remit? And I did a number of, of, of different things, but the first thing I was absolutely determined to do was to understand just uh, what the teaching profession, what the young people, what the parents, what the, 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 the broader uh, stakeholders in relation to the school education system in Wales uh, felt about how things currently were and what their aspirations were for the future and how, how far we, we could, we could um, satisfy those aspirations in, in, a, in a revised curriculum. So I spent um, the first three months of the review uh, literally touring Wales. So I went north, south, east, west and centre, uh, discovered some of the logistical difficulties about travelling, especially north, south in Wales. <laughs> yes. Uh, spent time in schools, and every school that I went to, I, asked, I spent obviously time with the head and senior staff, uh, cross-section of staff and young people in the school, and, and just spoke to them about their current views and, on, um, on the school curriculum, but also just the nature of, of uh, how how schools should serve their children um, and how far existing arrangements allowed them to serve their children well, asking the children why they went to school, uh, what did they hope to get from their time at school, what did they see school as being for. Those discussions tended to start with initially fairly predictable responses. So the young people would say, oh, we're, we're, we go to school so that we can get qualifications, get a job. Uh, and that there was, it was a very clear instrumental view about what the purpose of of, uh, of school was and and in secondary schools a lot of the discussion was around um, the twin pressures we obviously obviously schools felt they had to make sure that youngsters did well in qualifications if that was a big driver and in both primaries and secondaries lurking in the background was views about an accountability system in which they were trying to second guess the accountability system so they were trying to satisfy what they thought the accountability system wanted rather than thinking about what was best necessarily for their children in that school. So we, we had that discussion. I then asked a much more open-ended question, say, OK, we've had all that. Um, if, I, if I give you a stem to a sentence, can you finish it for me, please? So I said, the stem to the sentence is, um, it would be great if... Uh, now, forget all about the constraints that you, you currently have. Just tell me about it. It would be great if... And then we had a different conversation because people then started to be much more... Um, ambitious, much more creative in terms of the kind of things that they wanted to get from school, both both uh, senior staff, teachers, but also particularly from the young people them, themselves. So out of that grew, uh, first of all, a very, very clear 
very clear and very strong message that the levels of dissatisfaction uh, were very high with what was with the current situation. That the, there was there was virtually virtually nobody batting for the status quo, and there were a lot of of uh, exciting ideas about what it would be great if they could do. So, simultaneously with all of that, uh, I was also um, undertaking wider research. I, 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 I do work for the OECD, uh, uh, working with the OECD. I've done reviews of um, Sweden, Portugal, Japan and Australia as part of the, uh, my work with the OECD. So I already had an a understanding about thinking that was taking place in, in those countries, but then more widely uh, in terms of, of uh, evidence uh, about uh, research about the way in which curriculum thinking was going. And then I also uh, commissioned wizard at Car- Cardiff University, Chris Taylor and, and his colleagues at Cardiff University, to, to undertake a call for evidence for me. So in that first, that, that's the first three, four, five months of the review, all of that came back in. And actually, remarkably, what then flowed from that in terms of framing the final recommendations in Successful Future and the arguments that lay behind that was remarkably straightforward because there was a huge consonance between the direction that things were going internationally, what came through from the consultation, the call for evidence that uh, that Wizard had undertaken, and what I got from my visits to schools. So successful futures, 68 recommendations, all, all came together quite naturally uh, uh, within that. Thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah, that's true. Um, but an important thing uh, to remember is uh, and I'm not sure that, that, that this necessarily was what the, the then minister was expecting from me, uh, but about half the recommendations were about curriculum and assessment, and half the recommendations were about what needs to happen if the uh, if the opportunities offered by the changes to curriculum assessment could become a reality in schools. So they were about professional learning, they were about leadership, they were about accountability, they were about subsidiarity, about just the, the nature, the culture, and some of the of the things that had to be put in place in order to ensure that what you don't do is just wish the ends but not the means. So you wish for a new curriculum but you don't actually think about what needs to happen in order for that to to take place. So out of all of that came Successful Futures which was then consulted on by Welsh Government and received a very, very positive response. All 68 recommendations were accepted and uh, the rest is history. And it's really great to hear that, you know, one of the key themes that was coming through today, you know, a, a few years down the line, si- line since the publication of Successful Futures was collaboration. And it's reassuring to know that your starting point was collaborating with teachers and learners on the ground and getting their views. But I guess my last part of that question was, what does a professor learn from that process? You know, someone who's you know, got years under their belt of experience in research. So what do you get from it personally? Uh, well, uh, uh, prior to working at Glasgow University, being a professor at Glasgow University, I was chief inspector in Scotland, so I was head of the inspectorate. So I had a lot of, of uh, experience uh, over 20-odd years that I was in the inspectorate of being in, in schools in Scotland in a whole variety of different ways. And, and I thought I knew education pretty well from all of that, and similarly uh, in my work at Glasgow University. But... Quite genuinely, that sounds a bit cheesy, but quite genuinely, it was a real privilege to be given as open-ended a remit as I was in Wales, and then to be, be able to just engage with people, not in the past as, a, as an inspector talking to, to people, but as simply somebody and asking very open-ended questions. 
And I suppose out of all of that, what, what that gave me was a perspective uh, which was slightly different from the one I'd had previously because uh, really in, in the UK generally over the period from the mid-1990s onwards, the, the whole focus of, of um, education policy has been about effectiveness. Uh, it's been about how, how, do we, uh, how do we get more effective in terms of schooling? What we weren't doing was asking the question as whether we're getting better and better at doing things that were less and less relevant. We just wanted to get better and better. So, so from a personal point of view, the dimension that, to my thinking, that, that emerged out of all of this was a recognition that actually we needed to think uh, much more deeply about the nature of, of the, the education that our young people needed uh, not just in terms of effectively getting the qualification, whatever it might be at the end of the day, but what do they actually need to get from their time at school that's going to equip them for a life that's going to last throughout the entirety of this century and well into the next century, probably. And thinking a lot harder about not just assuming that what we had been doing was automatically the right thing to do, but asking a much more fundamental question about the purposes of uh, education and the four purposes that are, are at the heart of the new uh, uh, curriculum for Wales are a reflection of that commitment to, to continuing to keep on asking, not just how do we get better, but are we doing the right thing? You get asked a lot about things to do with the curriculum we have got questions about that but I suppose another question about you which has occurred to us as we've we've got a flavour of the debate around the new curriculum there's an enormous amount of positivity uh, around but you can't please all of the people all of the time you alluded to Twitter this morning when you were speaking to this conference and of course as the named person your name is spoken a lot uh, in in relation to the reforms how do you deal with being the sort of lightning rod for less positive views about the reforms? Did you price that in when you took on the role? Has it come as a surprise? Because, of course, not everything expressed on Twitter is expressed in the constructive way or civilised way we might hope. Well, as a former chief inspector, I'm fairly used to uh, <laughs> being in a situation where uh, people's views of, 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 of me and of, of what I represent were, were always universally positive. You know, so I've, I've, I've got a fairly thick skin in terms of, um, in terms of that. But, I mean, the, the, I mean, the debate is legitimate. Um, I think when, when, if people are, are personal, they've lost the argument, you know, so, so that, that stuff on Twitter doesn't matter. That's just rubbish. I mean, no, you don't bother with that. The, but legitimate debate... Uh, about something as important as this is is vital, and uh, I'm I'm very happy to 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 engage in that kind of debate. I I, I try to do so whatever I can. I make myself as available as possible. I I still go into schools on a very regular basis, and I I uh, make it clear to schools that that um, I'm very hard to offend. So they should just simply say what they think, say what they want to do. But of course, at this stage in the process, uh, I don't. Uh, I have no executive role in relation to this reform. I mean, I deliver my report and I have a, a role as advisor to, to the uh, minister and advisor to Welsh Government, which, which is relatively unusual for, for somebody to be kept on, having delivered a report to be kept on in order to continue to give advice. And that was a very interesting decision by, by Welsh Government. And I think it reflected their determination and the minister's determination to stay true to the original concept. Uh, and by asking me to stick around, I'm a kind of conscience, built-in conscience in the process that can ask awkward questions. But also, I, 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 uh, 
uh, as I say, I make myself as open as possible. Uh, I go into schools as much as I can. I talk to people and I'm open to be to uh, have conversations with anyone who wants to talk to me. And part of that, uh, then, my role is then to be able to feed that back into government, feed that back into the minister and, and, and say, this may look all right, but actually I think there are things bubbling up here that we need to pay attention to or uh, these are the issues that I think we need to be given more emphasis within the overall uh, reform programme. So a long answer to your question uh, and the answer is I've got a thick skin. <laughs> <laughs> You're an important conduit I think there as you say to kind of to mm. in a mouthpiece to kind of bring that back to Welsh Government. Um, I just wanted to pick up on your note there about uh, critical debate and criticality because this was something that um, came up in your keynote speech to our Cardiff Metropolitan University um, student teachers at our Cardiff Partnership launch and there are our kind of priority audience for this podcast. You emphasised in that keynote speech the importance of research and, and critical thinking uh, to the teacher's professional learning and development. What role do you think these two developmental acts will play in the wider context and ambitions of educational reform going forward? Yes, it's important that, that this reform doesn't become the next iteration of the 1988 reform. So you you have something that is, is will be in place by 2022 and it begins, it gets set in stone at 2022 and you know, and people it then becomes something that has to be implemented and dealt with over a period of time. Because the essence of the of the reform is that that the nature of the, of the the both the the scope, the scale, and the pace of change that's taking place in uh, society and economy at the moment is such that we cannot afford to have educational change as being every ten to fifteen years we stop and then do something dramatic. Uh, so we need to have a teaching profession that owns change, uh, is not driven by somebody else. A teaching profession that owns change, uh, a teaching profession that sees being relevant as being integral to being the part of their professional being. And therefore, the whole notion of being um, uh, research aware wanting to engage with, with, with evidence, uh, being reflective about your own practice, working with colleagues to help to reflect on, on practice more generally, uh, being uh, attuned to, to uh, developments that are taking place in the wider community and in the, in the wider world. So that what we, we do is to ensure that those four purposes, uh, which are the driver, the, the context within which those four purposes are given life changes. Uh, the purposes remain, but the context changes. And having reflective teachers uh, who are constantly asking themselves questions about about the extent to which they are continuing, what they're currently doing is continuing to serve children well, what evidence is there about the way things might be done differently, that's just built into the way in which the profession does things. So it's why one of the things in, in discussions I've had with uh, with officials in Welsh Government and elsewhere, uh, and you'll, you'll, you'll begin to hear the slight change in, in vocabulary, uh, because I, uh, I, I've got a metaphorical square box. So every time the word delivery or implementation is used, uh, there's money supposed to go in the box. Um, <laughs> uh, and I prefer, you can talk about it in a whole lot of different ways, but the, 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 the word I use is, is realisation. I think the job of the profession is to make the aspiration a reality, not to implement something that they've been told to do yes. so uh, that's and that is about the nature of the confidence and capacity of the of the profession and we need to build that right from the point at which 
a new teacher crosses the threshold of a university to begin that uh, journey, uh, which will last goodness how, how long. Absolutely. Great point, actually. Which I, And I suppose the danger at this time is that... Oh, Schools and teachers who don't have that confidence, who don't have that space that was another kind of keen theme and time um, to grapple with a new curriculum, might be the prey of private companies giving quick fix solutions um, to curriculum design. So what would be your response to those concerns and what advice would you give to teachers who could be the prey at, you know, of said companies? Um. Yeah, I think I think that's legitimate. If if if, if uh, people feel uh, unsure, uncertain, then th- they will look for for things for answers that are going to help them help resolve that uncertainty. And that may come from publishers. There's good stuff comes from publishers as well as not so good stuff. So it's it's not it's not a, 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 it's not a source that should be ignored. But it's important that the that the um, resources that are made available to schools. Are, are authentic in relation to the nature of the reforms that are currently taking place. I think all of that just reinforces the vital importance of professional learning, the vital importance of, of uh, having the kind of, of uh, culture of professional learning, the culture of collaboration uh, uh, amongst teachers, which allows them to be very critical users of whatever is, is whatever magic bullets they're offered. Uh, they have to be very, very critical and sceptical, not cynical, but sceptical in relation to, to things that they are told are going to answer all of their problems. Uh, and that applies to uh, the nature of, of, of what it means to be a, a professional. And it also, I think, as the, it, when we think about the uh, emerging leadership culture in, in Welsh education, it's a very important part of leadership. Uh, in the system again is is to encourage that that uh, uh, that climate and and we we don't want to have have school leaders uh, in formal leadership positions who are looking for the magic bullet that will will solve all their problems and you know the snake oil salesmen are there you alluded into in one of your earlier answers to the travels you took around Wales and discovered the kind of uh, the diversity, the geographic diversity of isolation of some parts of the country. And I'm, I guess, the concept of subsidiarity, the concept, uh, the concept of a locally authentic curriculum, will have at least partially sprung from those travels. How do you see us ensuring, despite that? equity and parity of experience and parity of quality for the pupils all across such a diverse and yet small country? Yeah, the, the basic principle is equity doesn't mean uniformity. You know, in fact, equity means being able to marshal resources, expertise that addresses the needs that are in front of you uh, and allows whatever those needs are to be responded to. You know, so that... so. I think sometimes there can be a very naive view that, you know, having having something from the centre uh, that is simply rolled out across the country somehow or other addresses the kind of issue that you're talking about. Um, but actually, I think the reverse is true. I think all that does is produce sometimes you get a process of Chinese whispers so that what comes from the centre and what ends up in the classroom is dramatically different. So you actually do have uh, diversity, but it's diversity by chance, it's just the happenstance of the of the local circumstance. What I think this reform is trying to do is to establish those common that common sense of purpose. Uh, there will be uh, in the curriculum framework that's there. There will be 
clear sets of expectations of legislation that will go through uh, the Senate next year will set down a framework of common expectations. So it, 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 it's not free for all. It's not, it's not uh, you know, just whatever you do is all right. There's an obligation to make sure that children are not let down and therefore there needs to be a, a sufficiently coherent framework to ensure that, that there is um, a consistent understanding of, of what good education looks like, what good pedagogy looks like, the supports are there in order for that to, to happen, but the also sufficient agency there at the school level and at the teacher level to be able to think that through in the context of the children that are in that school, each individual child that's in that school and, and the needs of the, of that community uh, in that uh, in that context. So I, I think those that believe that somehow or other, uh, you know, some uh, nationally prescribed curriculum produces equity are just simply wrong. Thank you. Okay. This is probably the most controversial question, so I'll set out my stall before I ask it. So we recently attended uh, a talk by Professor Pak Ti Ng from the National Institute of Education in Singapore. Singapore has moved from a fairly low-ranking education system to one which pees a rank as the best in the world. But what he made really clear at the start of his keynote speech is that it's been a hard 50-year process. Reports from Scotland suggest that curriculum for excellence reforms haven't convinced everyone and these were initially held up as a blueprint for our Welsh reforms. So how long do you think it will take for Wales to be seen internationally as having a world-class education system? Big question, I know. Uh, well, I know Pak T very well. Uh, he and I served together on, on uh, an international council which uh, advises the First Minister of Scotland. Uh, and actually, before he spoke here, I heard Pak T giving what I suspect was a similar talk to uh, colleagues in, uh, in Scotland um, last week. A, a, very, a very passionate commitment to the teacher. And that was the big message, I think, that Pak T uh, is putting across, is partly it's a privilege to be a teacher, and there's a huge responsibility goes with that. And he talks about paying forward as a phrase that he uses, you know, that, that, that all of us have benefited from what our teachers in the past did. And as teachers, it's our responsibility to pay forward so the young people of today benefit in the same kind of way. And that, I think part of his argument is that's why uh, you shouldn't resist change, because if people in the past had resisted change, we wouldn't have the kind of, of quality of education which we have just now. Therefore, there's an obligation to embrace change rather than uh, and not uh, not resist it. So, in terms of of timescale, I think, I mean, actually, the the, the kind of the most the, the the kind of significant developments in Singapore took place about 2005 onwards. And uh, interestingly, one of the things back he said to me. Um, when he looked at some of the stuff that's happening here, he said, oh, that looks awfully like what we're doing in Singapore. He, he saw the, the consonance between the kind of, the, the aspirations they had for the young people in Singapore and the aspirations which are coming through in the Welsh curriculum and also came through in the Scottish curriculum. Um, so, I mean, I don't think we're talking about... about uh, I, I mean, I, and I'm not, we, can't, we can't afford to be talking about an enormous period over which um, these reforms have to... Uh, have to take root. I think the the timescale that that uh, has been set for the reforms is measured. Uh, I think in the past the temptation might have been to have tried to uh, say this is uh, this is good, just go on and do it, uh, and it would all have been done within a very tight timescale. I think the fact 
you know, successful futures. Published, I think, in 2015, and it's 2025 before the qualification will take place. So that's a way a 10-year uh, period we're talking about. So this is a measured reform, measured pace uh, the reform is, is, is going at. Just in parenthesis, I, uh, one thing you said there I don't agree with, and uh, that is Scotland's not a blueprint for this reform. The, the reforms that took place in Scotland, the reforms that took place in Singapore, reforms that took place in Australia, uh, Melbourne Declaration back in 2007, are all going in, in, in the direction. So what Wales is doing, I think, is responding to the same kind of, of uh, thinking and pressures that led to reforms in a whole range of countries across the world. But actually, I believe Wales is, is, has, has learned from previous experience and is now able to be a leader in terms of taking things forward. So uh, we're not implementing a blueprint from anywhere. This is, this, is, this is made in Wales, and this is right for Welsh children. So circling back to our primary audience, not all of our audience, but our primary audience is either student teachers or early career teachers. And when the new curriculum is finally implemented in schools in 2022 the people that we're currently teaching will be in their third year in the profession probably so early career but getting their feet under the table getting established what are your hopes for those people specifically and what advice would you give them well i think if if uh, colleagues in teacher education have done their jobs properly uh, uh, those people will be entering the profession uh, as a key resource for any school. I, I, I think I used the phrase when I was talking to uh, at the launch of the, of the partnership uh, in uh, Cardiff Met that they are the shock troops. And as a head teacher in a school, you ought to be capitalising uh, on what that those young people will bring. Or not, not all young people, of course, but those new teachers will bring to the school. Uh, and at one level, whereas in the past, you know, a new teacher coming into a school, it might be thought that their job is to kind of keep their heads down and absorb and learn from the from what's happening, and, and that obviously is important. But actually, a lot of the existing teachers in schools have quite a lot of unlearning to do. They've, they've, they've got a shift to make, uh, and the new teachers have less of that baggage. Uh, they still have some, because we all... Um, uh, our views of, of, of schooling are conditioned by our own schooling. You know, so it's, it's uh, one, of, one of the problems in the profession is that it can be difficult to get change because we tend to think of what was the best in our own schooling and then try to say, I want to be like that. Um, but actually, in a world that's changing the way it is just now, that, 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 that's important but not enough in terms of, of how we move forward. So I think those those teachers who are, are currently entering um, universities just to embark on their career, those teachers who are in the first uh, two, three, four years of their career are, I, I think, uh, huge assets uh, uh, to a school. And I, I hope that, that as, as, the, as their careers evolve, as their careers move forward, that they will continue to grow and develop as, uh, as professionals and they really will be. They'll move from being the shock troops to being the backbone of this new um, if I can make my metaphor, this new, uh, uh, this, this won't be a new curriculum. This just the way things are done. Professor Graham Donaldson, you've been extremely generous with your time. We have one minor question left to ask you, and um, a, a regular slot for our, our regular listeners, uh, they will know, is our well-being slot. And, and we're very curious to know how a professor um, of your status looks after his well-being. Any tips for our listeners? Well, I, I, I think uh, part of it is just to try to be unfailingly optimistic uh, and enthusiastic. 
you know, it, it's it's to in the in the in whatever it is that you're engaged in uh, is is to go into it with wholeheartedly, to be optimistic, not blindly optimistic, but you know, be optimistic that that, that you'll find a way through whatever the difficulties are that are there, um, and and also of course to get a bit of balance in terms of of uh, uh, the kind of things that are important in life. I have four grandchildren, so. Uh, that I have to say is a very important part of my well-being is working with those four uh, young people who range from two to eight. <laughs> to hear that, <laughs> <laughs> Professor Graham Donaldson, we're massively honoured to have your time. Thank you very much. Thank it's you. a pleasure. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That was Professor Graham Donaldson with us, and I've got to say. At his very heart, I think he revealed himself as every inch the teacher, particularly when he talked about a way into getting authentic views uh, about the curriculum, as was or a former curriculum back when he started on the journey towards successful futures. And we thought that might make a really nice something to try because we've obviously got our well-being slot from the man himself. But I thought something to kind of capture and talk a little bit about was the fact that he used something called a sentence stem. And I thought this was a really nice way of unlocking views that perhaps you wouldn't get unless you asked the right question. What were the words that he said? They've, they've escaped me now. Wouldn't it be great wouldn't if? Wouldn't it be great if? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if? So, you know, if you're getting a little bit um, stuck with your learners or indeed you're getting stuck trying to solve a problem yourself, try and think about it differently and, and come up with a, a variety of different sentence stems that might help you to think in slightly tangential ways. Yeah, a great way of cutting through all that baggage there. And for our something interesting, something that perhaps you could read, if you haven't read it already, what else could we suggest but the 2015 Successful Futures Report by Donaldson? enjoy that um, all 68 recommendations of them but I think what will be useful is um, you know that really comprehensive overview that Donaldson provided of the journey towards it as he said was built on the views and opinions of teachers and learners themselves so view those recommendations um, with that inside knowledge in mind so that's us done we're uh, gonna now consume the biggest bucket of coffee that we can find and try and calm down i'm really happy i've got a pumpkin latte oh, there we go so apologies for the all the background <laughs> noise but i hope you'll be understanding of us just this once <laughs> and uh yeah in the meantime enjoy teaching that was emma and tom's pgc podcast presented by me emma thayer and me tom breeze and we've just interviewed professor graham donaldson and i think we'll just leave that there 